Well, good morning, everyone, and we thank you for making our Church on the Trail worship experience part of your holiday weekend. We hope you've enjoyed the holiday, and, uh, and, and didn't the uh, band do a good job for us? Let's give them a hand. That was awesome. We're grateful for them, and we're grateful for everybody who came out to see us today and, and to be a part of the worship experience. We want to welcome you, and we want to welcome everyone who is checking in live through our Facebook Live and YouTube Live. Let's welcome all our guests. Thank you guys for being here. If you, if you are watching on, online, whether it's live or at some point in the future, we'd love it if you use the chat feature or the comments to let us know where you're watching from. Thank you for being here, and we hope everybody enjoys and gets something meaningful out of the gathering this morning. And uh, we want to especially welcome those of you who might be visiting with us for the first time. Maybe today is your first time to be a part of one of our worship gatherings. If that's the case, thank you for being here. And I would like to, if I could, make sure that all our first-time guests, or those of you who are kind of new to Church on the Trail, make sure you get one of these little packets. Uh, these have a chip in them so we can track you wherever you go. I'm kidding. Joking. Seriously. Uh, this is just something we would like to get into everybody's hands so that you can have a little bit of information about our church. So if this is your first time, if you don't mind raising your hand, uh, Lynn would like to uh, get one of these into your hands. And if you are worshiping with us for the first time, you'll also notice that either in the packet or in the seat back in front of you is what we call our connection card. So if you're new to Church on the Trail, if you don't mind taking a moment, fill out this connection card, and this helps us to have a record of your visit. And also, we can, uh, you can take that card if you fill it out, and you can visit our connections desk, which is just outside the entry door uh, when you came in this morning, and you'll get a free gift. We'd like to give you a gift to thank you for coming to Church on the Trail this morning. Also, for everyone, use the connection card to let us know if you have prayer requests or need information or just need to connect with the church leadership. We would like to make uh, one quick announcement, let all... The ladies of Church on the Trail know that we have a really cool event coming up. It's a simulcast ladies event that's taking place on Saturday, August the 8th. And you can see on the screen they have a, an incredible lineup of, uh, of speakers. And these ladies are going to just put on a great, a great ministry program for you on the 8th. So we hope all the ladies can come. Now, child care is not provided which means we need to pray and fast for all the fathers of Church on the Trail uh, leading up to August 8th. But it'll be worth it, gentlemen. Step up. Step up and watch those kids. Get those groceries so your wife can come, your partner can come to this event. But it'll be awesome. If you want to register, I mean, all of this is only $25. That is a steal. So ladies, go to churchonthetrail.org and click the events tab. And then you'll be able to uh, participate in that event. It'll be awesome. We also want to let you know that this normally at this time in our gathering, we pause to receive an offering. Now, during this, this time of, uh, of social distancing and being super cautious, uh, we don't pass the bucket around. But if you would like to worship by giving an offering, we want to let you know there are still ways to do that. On the, uh, you'll, you'll notice on the walls there are these black boxes, these secure black boxes. You could drop your offering in those boxes. There's also one near the exit of the building. There's a giving kiosk in the hallway that you can give a secure donation 
there, or you could go to churchonthetrail.org and click the give button. And that is a way that you can worship by giving. And uh, many of our, our, our church family, we love to do that on a regular basis. So I uh, want to say a quick prayer, a blessing over the rest of our service, a blessing on the offerings that will be given today and throughout the week. And then we'll proceed and get on with the rest of our service. So let's, let's pray together. Father, thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, that we could get together and that we could worship you, that we could experience you as a church family. We're grateful for the opportunity to do this. We are grateful, Lord, for the technology and those of our friends who are able to watch online or through this video at, a, at some time in the future. We're just thankful that we get to worship you together in person and virtually. So we ask your blessing on the rest of our service. We ask your blessing on the offerings that will be given. We give them as a worship to you, Lord, as a way to say thank you, as a way to say we trust you with our stuff, and we pray that you will use our resources to bless others. And Lord, as we, as we get ready to proceed with the rest of our gathering, we want to pause for a moment, and we want to pray for our nation. We're grateful for this holiday weekend where we can focus on the birth of our nation, and Lord, we ask that during this time, during these tumultuous times in our nation's history, Lord, we pray that your grace would be shed on our country. Lord, and, and, and we pray that you would move, we pray that you would call people's hearts back to you, and we pray that you would heal our land. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys again for being here. Uh, how many of you guys love movies? Movie buffs, raise your hand. Okay, how many of you guys love sports? All right, thank you, praying for the rest of you. I love movies and I love sports. I love movies so much that I speak movie quotes as a second language and it, you can, that is verifiable, those who know me, it's true. Um, and in fact, if you're watching online, uh, I would encourage you um, during the service, during the next few minutes of this message, every time you catch me making a movie reference, see if you can add it to the chat. We'll go back and see who was sharp enough to catch those things. But I love movies, I love sports, and guess what I like? I love sports movies. So I was thinking about this over the hol this holiday weekend. I was thinking about this movie that came out many, many years ago, and it was put out, put out by Disney. They do these great live-action true life sports inspirational movies. They have a killer list of these kind of movies and they did a movie that was called Miracle. You guys ever see Miracle? It's the true story of the 1980 United States Olympic hockey team. Yes, we're in Georgia and we're talking about hockey. Listen, in, in a, it, I grew up in 1970 something in nowhere Mississippi. I didn't know nothing about hockey. But when these Winter Olympics rolled around in 1980, it was kind of, it was during the Cold War, right? And our president uh, in the, the late 70s there, Jimmy Carter, he, he said that the, the national mood, he called it a crisis of confidence. It's kind of a bummer of a time in, in many ways in the history, in the recent history of our nation. The, 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 the inflation was bad, the, the, the lines at the gas pumps. Anybody was alive during the late 70s? You guys remember that? It was, uh, it, was, it was a difficult time. Uh, the hair was bad. There were bell bottoms involved. The jeans were out of control. But also there was just a lot of weird stuff going on 
in the nation, including this crisis of confidence, as President Carter stated it. And, uh, and, and so nobody cared that much about the Winter Olympics, all right? Summer Olympics, people cared. But the Winter Olympics, whatever. All those weird sports, the weird outfits, we don't know what they're doing, we can't pronounce their names. But something happened in the 1980 Olympics with the United States hockey team. They started gaining some momentum and gaining some interest. And here's, here's how hockey worked on the international level back then. It was back before dream teams. Only amateur athletes, quote unquote, could participate in the Olympics, right? So the American hockey teams always stunk in the Olympics. They were horrible. And guess who was the best team in the world? The Russians, the Soviet Union. And remember, this was Cold War. So in the minds of many Americans, Russia was the red menace. They were the bad guys. And they always won in the Olympics, and especially in hockey. Reason was is because they had these men that had been playing like professionals as hockey players, as one cohesive team for years and years and years. And every time the Olympics came around, the Americans would get like minor league hockey players and college hockey players, and they'd put them together for 10 months, and then they'd throw them out on the ice, and they'd say, good luck, boys. Make us proud. And they never would. And it was sad. Something happened in the 1980s, in the 1980 Olympics. This team, coached by Herb Brooks, kind of came together, and they started winning games. With every game they won, people started getting more excited. People even in Mississippi like me, junior high guys in Mississippi watching on a black and white TV screen about this big. I think those are Americans. I think they're skating. I don't know. And I've been, do you guys remember? Everybody's getting excited. And every time they won, they were like, these kids are good. Oh, but they're going to have to play the Russians in the medal round. It's going to get ugly. But do you know what happened? The Americans played the Russians in the semifinals. And there they were, the kids playing against the Russians. And it got down to the very last quarter. And we tied the game three to three. And then halfway through the third, it wasn't called a quarter, it's called periods in hockey. I'm sorry. My bad. Hockey fans, my apologies. I know Carl Wright is watching. But in the third period, the final period, Tied the game, and then with half of the period left, Mike Ruziani, uh, Ruziani, the captain of the team, scored the go-ahead goal. Now the Americans were ahead four to three. We were beating the Russians. No way this is happening. Everybody's so excited. And then as the clock begins to tick off, and minute after minute goes, people begin to think this might could happen, this might could happen. And do you know what they called it? As it got closer to the Americans beating the Russians, they called it the miracle on ice. They called it the miracle on ice because nobody could beat the Russians. Nobody had ever beaten the Russians. Nobody would ever beat the Russians. And here these young kids were doing it. 30 seconds left in the game. We're ahead by one goal. 
20 seconds left. Everybody is freaking out. Are we going to win or are the Russians going to score a goal, tie the game, go into overtime, and probably mop the ice with us? What's going to happen? 10 seconds left. Now, there's this announcer. His name's Al Michaels. He does the Thursday night games and the Sunday night games for NFL now. You guys remember Al Michaels? So he's calling this game, and he's spitting out all the details about the puck going here and the Russians doing this and the Americans doing that. 20 seconds left, 15 seconds left. He gets down to 10 seconds left. And when he gets down to five seconds left, and it's obvious the American's about to win, do you guys remember what he said? He said, do you believe in miracles? And the clock hit zero, and he goes, yes! Anybody got goosebumps? I kind of do. All right, but I, I'm easily, easily worked up. But anyway, the point is, do you believe in miracles? Yes. Love that story. Love the movie. If you haven't seen the movie Miracle, it's a shot-for-shot -shot reenactment of everything that happened. You got to see it. It's awesome. But when I think about that movie, and I think about, you know, it's a real patriotic thing, flag waving, red, white, and blue, woo-hoo. But you know what? I also think about there's some, a truth that I believe in. And I believe that in our lives, okay, here goes, here goes, we're going to application, we're going to how this relates. Well, it relates because we're, because America, and we won the gold medal, dadgummit. But it also relates because, here's what I know, everybody needs a miracle. We all need a breakthrough. We all need something to change. We all need a miracle in our lives, or we know somebody who needs a miracle in their lives. So I'm posing the question this morning, do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in miracles? We need breakthrough. We need change. We need miracles. Sometimes it's in our careers. Sometimes it's financial. Sometimes it's in relationships. Sometimes we feel like we need a breakthrough or a miracle because someone we love is struggling and going through a really hard time. Sometimes we need a miracle because the secrets that we've kept for many years in our life are starting to destroy us. We need miracles. So I wanna take a few minutes and share with you the lifespan of a miracle, all right? Kind of the, prog the progression, the flow of how miracles happen, how miracles can play off, play out. You guys ready for that? We're gonna talk about miracles. All right, so I'm going to throw a bunch of words out, out at you. You can fill these in in the worship guide if you got one. If you didn't get one, raise your hand, and Lynn will hand one to you. But the first word I want to tell you about, and I want you to fill it in that first blank, is the word delta. Delta. We're not talking about an airline, and we're not talking about a military company. We're talking about... Delta, and I'll tell you, I used to work at a church where the administrator was this great guy, good friend, and when he was crunching numbers, and when there was a difference between uh, income and budget, he would say, there's a Delta. That was his way of talking. Now, I was the youth minister in this, in this church, so let's say hypothetically, I was taking the youth group to Six Flags. Hypothetically, a certain number of kids signed up. 
So hypothetically, I ordered that many tickets and then only a certain number of people paid. And so my friend would come up to me and after the event and he would say, you got a Delta, Richard. What he was saying was, we, had, we, we paid this much for tickets and we only took this much in. There was a Delta. I don't understand why he liked using that word. I'm not even sure he was using that word correctly, but it was his thing. I mean, for me, Delta just meant the place where my dad grew up in Mississippi. Anybody ever been to Delta, Mississippi? I mean, it is the flattest land on the planet. There's no such thing as a hill in the Delta of Mississippi. You could watch your dog run away for three days. It's that flat. But my friend would say, you got a Delta. A Delta means things are not as they should be. A Delta for my friend, and it meant for me after the Six Flags trip, that I was coming up short and I was going to have to go grab teenagers by the mullet. And, well, it was because it was a long time ago. But I, and I was just going to have to shake nickels out of their pockets till I paid for the Six Flags tickets. This was a delta. This was a problem. Things were not as they, I was coming up short. So here's, here's the first step in experiencing a miracle is recognizing that there is a delta. Recognizing that there is a deficiency. Recognizing that something is missing. Paradise has been lost. My ship didn't come in. I missed the boat. I used too many nautical phrases in one sentence. So this is, a delta means my life is not where I wanted it to be. That's where it all begins. That's the genesis. That's the beginning of a miracle. A delta will lead us to our next word, which is desperation. So you can write that in. You can write that in the, the comments, in the, in the chat online. Delta leads to desperation. Desperation. The realization that I am unable to fix the problem. There's a problem, and I can't fix it. I can't close the gap. I can't narrow the delta. I know where I want to be, but I can't get there from here. Desperation. That's a problem. That's my friend pointing at you saying, you have a delta. And you can't fix it. Now, at this point, we're going to, point of the story, we have a plot twist. And I am talking about a big plot twist. We're talking like Vader, Skywalker, I am your father kind of plot twist. Like Bruce Willis has been dead all along kind of plot twist. Catch that? Thank you. This is a plot twist, and here it is. It's a big one. What you think is your problem is not your problem. What you think the problem is is not the problem. Often, we're in our lives, and we're kind of trucking through, and we hit a tough spot, and we say, I know what the problem is here. My problem, I wouldn't be surprised if the root of your problems weren't financial. My problem is financial. My problem is I'm not in the job I need to be in. My problem is if my partner will get their thing together, life will be better. I got good news and bad news. 
good news is you are aware you have a problem. The bad news is you're pointing in the wrong direction. Your problem is not what you think your problem is. My problem is not what I think my problem is. Our problem, our delta is a spiritual problem. It's not something that can be fixed by some external thing shifting. Our problem is a spiritual problem. Our problem is a sin problem. Our problem is a sin problem. That's what the real delta is. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So all the drama... And I know this sounds like this bizarre generality, but it's very much true. All the drama in our life is a sin problem. Either our sin or the sin of others affecting us, or most of the time, a huge combination of both. Our sin problem, and it has been this way since the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve believed the first lie, the first temptation of the devil, which was to start mistrusting what God had said. And and the devil said, did God really say? And when they bought into that lie, that's when it all began. That's when the sin problem began. And you trace all the issues. And it started in the garden, and you can run through the whole Old Testament from Noah and the flood, from Jonah getting in all kind of trouble and getting swallowed by a whale. Man, you can even look at, 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 at Moses and, and the children of Israel, King David, all the prophets, everything was all because of the sin problem. And then one day, then one day, in the Jordan River, there was this wild, crazy preacher named John the Baptist. And he was baptizing people. And he was getting a big old following. And he was getting a lot of press. And people were coming from miles around just to watch what he was doing and look how weird he looked and see who all was going to get baptized by John. And there was a ton of people out there. And one day, Jesus walked up. Jesus is 30 years old. He's not made us... Nothing's been going on publicly. Nobody knows who Jesus is. But John is the first person to recognize and publicize that Jesus is the man. And you know what he doesn't say? John doesn't say, hey, everybody, this is the guy who's going to set us free from Roman oppression. This is the guy who's going to solve all your financial woes. This is the guy who's finally going to give you the respect you deserve. He's going to iron out all the weirdness in your relationships. This man is going to solve all your problems. That is not what John the Baptist said. Do you know what he said? He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away our sin. It was the sin problem that Jesus said, I'm here to deal with that. The delta that you and I have is we're coming up short because we've all sinned. We're coming up short. There's nothing we can do to solve that problem. 
And Jesus says, I'm here to solve that problem. Are you desperate to have your sin problem resolved? That's a big part of your miracle question. See, we can make a big list of stuff that we want God to do miracles and breakthroughs and changes on. But if we're not desperate to get the heart level stuff solved, then we're gonna stall out at this point of the life flow and the lifespan of miracles. Are we desperate to have our sin problem solved? I wanna show you a verse in uh, Psalm 31, verses nine and 10. This is the voice of somebody that's desperate to have their sin problem solved. Check this out. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I'm in distress. Tears blur my eyes. My body and soul are withering away. I am dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Sin has drained my strength. I am wasting away from within. The sin problem is your delta. It's my delta. And I... And we need to be desperate to have our sin problem resolved. And if we are desperate to have our sin problem resolved, it'll lead to a decision. You like this? Every word starts with letter D, delta, you know, desperation, decision. You guys are not as impressed as I was with that. Okay, I'll make a note. Not worth the effort. Just kidding. Let's talk about the decision we make if we're willing to recalibrate our thinking about what the miracle is that we need. The miracle that we need to have our sin problem dealt with, to have our sin problem resolved. So this verse in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 22, this is... is, uh, God speaking through the prophet, and God says, I have swept away your sins like a cloud. I have scattered your offenses like the morning mist. Oh, return to me, for I have paid the price to set you free. I have paid the price to set you free. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That we couldn't, We couldn't narrow the gap and we couldn't deal with the delta. Use my old friend's words. But God has paid the price to set us free. We all fall short because of our sin. And the scripture says in, in, in Romans chapter six, verse 23, that the wages of our sin or the payment for our sins or the, what we get because of our sins, is death. See, here's the thing. Sin doesn't make us bad people. Sin makes us dead people. Sin makes us spiritually dead. Sin kills things. Sin doesn't just make us mostly dead. It makes us all dead. And there's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Sin makes us dead. But the gift of God is eternal life and salvation through Jesus Christ. And if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, if we say 
to God, I want you to be in charge of my life now. And if we believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, we will be saved. We will find spiritual life. And everything can change. So I want to say to you right now, before we go anywhere any further, if you've never crossed the line of faith, if you've never bowed the knee to God and said, I want forgiveness of my sins and I want God to be in charge of my life, I want Jesus to be Lord. If you've never done that, do it now. Do it right now. Invite Jesus to take control of your life. Do it now. Turn from your sin and turn to him and ask God in however way you can, in whatever way you can pray or think or feel, you just fire it off to God and say, God, help me turn from my sin. Help me turn to you. I want Jesus to be my Lord. Right then, in that moment, you become a child of God. You become a Christian. You become, you step over the line of faith and you get saved. And that's good news. And I say, go for it. And I say, if you did go for it, then you are in for an amazing ride. And you're going to have some amazing conversations with God. And the first thing you need to do is download the Bible app and read a verse of the Bible every day. And then start from there and just build on it. You are going to have a, an, a, a great ride. And God's going to do things that's going to blow us all away. Sorry, I watched Hamilton this weekend. It was awesome. So this is our, this, this is our thing. Realizing that the delta is sin. And that we can't fix that on our own. And that we need to make a decision to return to the Lord because he has paid for our freedom. He's paid for it. And we welcome you into the family of God. We welcome you into the family of God. I'll tell you, there's a, tell you something about this decision to come to return to the Lord because he's paid the penalty. He's paid for our freedom. I'll tell you something. In my life of faith, and I don't know how many of you guys can relate, but in my life of faith, I regularly cycle through this need to make that decision. Can you relate to that? Regularly. Wish it was a one and done. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, check that box. Boom, I'm in. I'm good. I prayed once. I go to church on Christmas and Easter other than COVID Easter. I wish I could, I, I wish, you know, some people think, oh, it's just a one and done. You know what it is? It's a, it's a hundred different decisions on a thousand different days to, to keep my heart to remain yielded to the Lord so that I can have him drive in the ship and not me steering it on my own. A thousand different decisions. Now listen, I want to go back to this movie I was telling you about earlier, the, the hockey team movie, the miracle movie, all right? 
I'm really hoping that everybody is going to go home and watch this movie because it's amazing. There was a scene in this movie that was really pivotal for me personally. Maybe because I love movies so much, God knows that that's one way he has to get my attention. And God speaks to me through movies. It's crazy. All right? So I'm watching this miracle movie, and I, this is back in 2013, right? Watching the miracle movie, sitting, been a long day, eating some cheese puffs. You know the big barrel of cheese puffs you can get at Sam's? Thank you, Jesus. So I'm just, I'm popping cheese puffs, and I'm watching miracle they get to the part before the Olympics had begun. It's one week before the Olympics. Everybody knows that this American hockey team, they're scrappy. They're young, scrappy, and hungry. Sorry, I went there again. But they're, they're good, but they're not good enough to beat the Russians. And so you know what they do? They have an exhibition one week before the Olympics. They go to Madison Square Garden in New York, and they play an exhibition game against the Russians. Just, you know, just sell some tickets, get everybody excited about the Olympics. Did you know the Russians beat the Americans like they stole something? I mean, it was horrible. Russians scored 10 goals. Do you know what it takes to give up 10 goals in hockey? That's like two goals in soccer. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I apologize. I, that, my anti-soccerness sort of came out, and I really didn't mean to offend. Um, but seriously, 10 goals? All right, so the, the, the goalie's name for the Americans is Jim Craig. You guys might remember Jim Craig. Oh, he was so cool. Fellow from Boston. And his, his mom had recently passed away, and he was always looking in the stands after the Olympic Games. Where's my father? It was like super goosebump, heartwarming thing. So Jim Craig has been the starting goalie for the entire time the team has been together. He gets out there on the ice, and he gives up tons of goals to the Russians. After, so this scene in the movie, the coach comes to Jim and says, hey man, I'm, uh, I'm gonna have to pull you out of the net. And Jim Craig freaks out. He's like, you can't do that. He's basically saying, I'm gonna bench you. I'm gonna give the other guy, I'm gonna let him start in the first game of the Olympics. What? So Jim Craig chases the coach out of the locker room into the hallway. And he says, you can't do that. That's my net, man. And the coach says, hey, they scored 10 goals. It's kind of everybody's net right now. That was pretty, pretty harsh. But um, so they have this argument, right? And in this scene, the coach says something to Jim Craig. And he says, have you given me your best? Because I know there's more in you. And he says this line. He says to Jim Craig, there's a whole other level of hockey that I know you're capable of, but for some reason, you're not willing to go there. All right, so I'm sitting there with the barrel of cheese puffs in my lap, and when Herb Brooks says that to Jim Craig, I dropped the cheese puffs. I mean, when I tell you that line changed my life, I lost a lot of innocent cheese puffs to that moment. Boom, 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 boom. What a mess. But I'm telling you, when it, I heard that, it hit me, and it was like, God, it was like everything. I, I, don't, I didn't even remember watching the rest of the movie. And I felt like God was saying, Richard, there are whole other levels 
of your life of faith that I have in store for you, but for some reason you're not willing to go there, and my heart just busted open inside. It freaked me out. And my first prayer was, Lord, you're ruining this movie for me and spilling cheese puffs. What is this? What is going on? It totally freaked me out. And here's what, for, and so I just stepped back and I took a moment and I prayed and I journaled. And guys, here's the thing that I think God's trying to say. He was saying it to me and I offer it to you as a challenge. Are there, are there levels of your walk with God, levels of your faith journey, levels of your personal healing, your personal growth, your personal development, are there levels that you are not willing to go to? Be honest with the answer, and if you answer yes, then I beg you to do what I did. Ask why. Ask why am I afraid to go there? Why am I holding back? And if we're willing to ask that question, it could be a portal, it could be a door to take us deeper into our relationship with God. It could unlock stuff that could make all the difference for us. And if I, when I tell you a line in a hockey movie changed my life. I'm not joking. It changed my life and it continues to because the, the thing still stays with me, this concept. Every once in a while, I'll be in a situation and I feel like God is whispering somehow in my spirit. It's not like I hear an audible voice. I kind of wish I would because that would be awesome. But it's just I sense God saying, you're, you're, you're not willing to go there. Are, why aren't you willing to go there? Why aren't you? I don't have the answers for any of us here. All I'm telling you is I think we need to, make, to ask that uncomfortable question. Are there levels in my life, in my relationships, in my healing? Maybe you're, uh, maybe you're in addiction recovery like myself. Maybe, maybe in recovery there are levels that somehow you're holding back and you're not willing to go there. Ask why. And, and God will help us if we ask him to. He will help us. Ask why. Hashtag ask why. Put that in the comments in the chat. Ask why. Ask why. Are there levels that we're not willing to go to. Um, I want to tell you a story that I think might help put a, give us a handle on one of the reasons that we don't level up or we don't um, stay on the level or on the path or trajectory God has for us. Had a really interesting experience in my backyard on Friday morning. And I was going to try to describe it to you, but it's kind of complicated and a little weird. And so what Rhonda and I decided to do, we shot a video yesterday morning so that we could show you what happened. Um, so can we show that uh, video from my backyard now? <laughs> All right. 
So yesterday morning, I was out here sitting on our, our back porch, and I looked at our little, this little, uh, you know, fence thing, this retaining wall thing, and I noticed there was this bird, a very small bird, that was walking along the top of our retaining wall. It was adorable, and he had a little bug or something in his beak, breakfast, you know, he was getting ready to eat breakfast, and he was just living the life, having a great time, just walking along, and I thought, how cute. The bird walking along with breakfast in his beak. And he got to this area right here. We have some plants that are kind of uh, overgrown. And he gets to here and he realizes he can't keep walking. So he hops down onto the ground and keeps walking. Now, as he's going, every once in a while, he'll look around and he looks up at the retaining wall like, dang, I wish I could go back to being up there. But instead, he just kept walking along, walked all the way through the fence and all the way around the backyard. And I was like, I was like wanting to tell the bird, dude, you have wings. You know, you hopped down here because you didn't want to fly over your obstacle. You hopped down onto the ground and then you seemed bummed out that you couldn't get back to where you were. And I thought, man, how often does that happen? Where we're going along in our lives and we hit an obstacle or a difficulty and it causes us to sort of retreat or change our course and then we're we end up all disappointed that we can't be back to where we were when we were happy trotting along up here now we're down here and we're all bummed and I wonder if sometimes the Lord would say, dude, I gave you wings. I gave you the ability to overcome these obstacles, to return to your original course and trajectory. But so often, we allow the obstacles or the difficulties or the pain or the heartbreak or whatever it might be to redirect us. And sometimes, sadly, we never get back on course. So I think the lesson in this little thing is that, hey, there are other levels. There are better, greater, more, more fulfilling, more purposeful levels that the Lord wants us to operate in. And we can get there if we'll allow the Lord to take us there. So let's keep that in mind. So um, maybe that's one of the ways we can find out what the deal is with this. These other levels God wants to take us with to and why we might be holding back. Maybe there's something at some point in our life story where we were trotting along and we encountered a difficulty or something. Maybe it was a disappointment or a pain or a hurt or a heartbreak and it changed the trajectory of our lives. And for some reason, we feel like we can't get back to where we were or that we're too scared to try again. Or maybe we've tried over and over again and it's never worked. And so why keep trying? So these are the things that we need to consider, and I believe that maybe, that maybe that's the miracle work that God wants to do in us today. He wants to give us hope that we could be healed, that we could overcome some of that, those parts of our story, that maybe those things don't have to own us anymore. The flashpoints in our story's timeline where everything changed, and we're afraid it'll never get back right again. Maybe that's the miracle the Lord has for us. And I will tell you, 
that God can do it. God can do it, but it requires a decision for us to return to him who has, because he has purchased our freedom. He has purchased freedom from everything that still holds us tight. Every fear that still holds us back. Everything that for some reason we're not willing to go there. God has purchased our freedom from that. So kind of brings me to my last thought. The last word I want you to fill in here, a little uh, uh, worship guide if you got one. It's the word definition. Because ultimately it'll all come down to where the, what we define as a miracle. You know, earlier I said, hey, we can make our list of what our miracle is going to be or needs to be. But what if, what if I was right before when I said your problem is not what you think your problem is? What if the miracle God wants to do is internally on the inside of you, in your heart and in my heart? What if the healing and radical change that he wants to do is internal right here in us? The best description of the miracle that God has done is found in Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. It says, you were dead because of your sin and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. I want to define the miracle for you. The miracle is that our guilt and our shame has been, can be washed away. Some of us have been in relationship with God and in a faith journey for some time, but we're still bound up by shame. The good news is, is that God can set us free. He can wash away. He can wipe away our guilt. We don't want that to fall. That's kind of, that's, that's rickety. We, God can wipe away, he can wash away our, our guilt. The power of sin is the shame that it holds over us. I believe God wants to do a miracle today in our hearts to set us free from the shame. Could you go there with us? Could you believe, do you believe in miracles? Do you believe that God could do that miracle? I believe he could. I believe he's doing it for me. And I want to see it happen for all of us. I want to see it. I'm hungry to see it. I'm desperate to see it for us. God can and will do miracles for you. Now, we're going to invite the band up. We're going to, we're going to close here in just a minute. We're going to have a prayer time together. Uh, in just a minute, but before I do, we just need to pause and we need to get to the punchline of this story I've been telling you about the U.S. hockey team, right? I've been building this up. We've been talking about the U.S. Do you know that the, there was never chance of USA, USA before Lake Placid in 1980? The hockey team started that. 
So we're going to pause here. We've been talking a lot, about a lot of heavy stuff. We're going to pause here. I'm going to take you back in time to, to February 1980, Lake Placid, New York. We're going to watch the last 30-something seconds of the miracle on ice. Are you ready for this? Man, we were one goal up. We were worried. We wanted the clock to move. Everybody kept looking at the clock. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Can you guys uh, can you guys take us there on the video screen? Let's let's watch it together. It's fun, man. USA, right? Gosh, I get so pumped up about that. What, listen, guys, what I love, I'm going to cheat around you here, Ben, because I left something over here. My, my bad. Sorry, Will. I should have warned you about that. All right. We'll edit that out of the video. It'll be like it never happened. Huh? Okay. Can't edit it out. Um, so what I love about this conversation is that the rush and the overwhelming emotion that you can feel when your favorite team pulls off a miracle win is just a fraction of what it's like when you see God do miracles in your life and the life of somebody you love. I'm telling you, when we start to believe, when we start to think that maybe I can change, that maybe I can start to respond differently to all the old stuff that used to get me down. Do you believe in miracles? I mean, maybe when we start to think, perhaps, perhaps I can lead a life, I can get, I can, I, I can, I can lead a life that's not overshadowed by that one thing that threw me off course all that time ago. Start thinking like that. Like you hear that voice, do you believe in miracles? When we start to think that maybe as bad as it feels right now and as many times we've hit our head against the wall and as many times we've failed and as ashamed as we've, we've feel, felt and how long we've been living like that. But if we start to believe that God could wipe away our guilt and, and take the power of shame out of our lives. When we start to think that maybe that's possible, there's a voice whispering, do you believe in miracle? We can change.
because our heavenly father who has done the greatest miracle which is which was which was sending his son to pay for our freedom if he can do that greatest of all miracles he can do anything in our lives and i want to read you um, a prayer that i was reading with some friends of mine uh, on Tuesday night, a recovery ministry meeting that I'm a part of every Tuesday night. And it's a prayer of, uh, of surrender to God. A prayer of being powerless and knowing I can't fix myself or my own problems. But believing that we serve a great, loving God who can and will and does. And in this prayer, it says, Lord, I'm powerless. And somehow I expect that you will increase my shame and self-contempt but instead you show me unfailing love God I almost am afraid you're going to use your power against me but when I called you came you came to me you crashed the gates you cut the bars you broke the chains and you are leading me out of this darkness into your light do you believe in miracles yes God can do it he's doing it for me he wants to do it for you stand with me and let's pray we're gonna pray together and then we're gonna sing a song of declaration together about the miracles that God can do father we need your help Lord we need you we can't fix we can't close the gap we can't resolve the delta. We can't. We are desperate for you. And we make the decision here today to yield to you, Lord. You are the one who can take away our sins. You are the one that can release us from shame. And you can break the, the binding power of the chains that have held us for so long. God, make it so in our lives. Do your miracles, Lord. You're the only one who can. And we yield to you in Jesus' name. Amen.